Travis Wingfield. I'm ready to go in, coach. Just give me a chance. I know there's a lot riding on it, but it's all psychological. Just got to stay in a positive frame of mind. You are Locked On Dolphin, your daily podcast on the Miami Dolphin, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. All right, Miami! What's up, Dolphins, and welcome into the Wednesday, February the 21st edition of the Locked On Dolphins podcast. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we got big news. A relatively slow day turns into a huge news day as Jarvis Landry is slapped with a franchise tag. I will cover that from every possible angle imaginable. Also, a prized veteran guard hits the free agent market. We'll discuss my column on shaping the Dolphins offensive line around Ryan Tannehill up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com and how the former Bears guard Josh Sitton fits into that discussion. And of course, lastly, but not leastly, your Twitter questions. Before any of that, though, you guys know the drill by now. I have to ask you to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Give us a rating and review. Like I said a million times, the subscriptions, the ratings, and the reviews are massive for this podcast, the future of this podcast, and everything that involves this podcast. So please go ahead and do that. Follow me on Twitter, at NFL. Follow the show, at LockedOnFins. And you can follow our other writers of the LockedOnDolphins.com page as well. You can find their Twitter accounts on the LockedOnDolphins page. And of course, the other Locked On Sports family of podcasts like the Locked On Heat podcast and Locked On NFL podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. And let's not waste any more time getting into the first topic and the main topic of the day, Jarvis Landry and his franchise tag here on First Down on the Locked On Dolphins podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. We're moving to first down here in the Locked On Dolphins podcast, talking about Jarvis Landry and the details of his contract and what it means for the Dolphins moving forward as we approach free agency, which opens up here. I believe it's March 14th is the first day. We're on February 20th, so we still have a few weeks to go. A lot can happen from now till then. There has been a lot of good coverage on it on Twitter. I highly recommend checking out Jeff Darlington's page. He kind of goes over some details of the of the potential ramifications of this move and kind of what it means for the Miami Dolphins. And the number one thing that it means is that the Dolphins control the narrative. They're the ones in charge of Jarvis Landry. They pretty much close the door on anyone thinking they have a chance to negotiate with Landry. It reshifts, reshapes their entire process for the free agency period because they you know some of those teams might have been thinking okay Landry's going to shake free Miami they can't get a deal done they're far apart they can't tag him for 16 million bucks that's going to be our top focus so now those teams kind of have to rework their board figure out how they're going to go ahead and approach the receiver position and are they going to make a trade for Jarvis Landry more of that coming here in a second but it just kind of changes the narrative and puts the Dolphins in the driver's seat and the way the contract or the, or the language around the the contract works is the Dolphins can ask for two first round draft picks in exchange for Jarvis Landry and the rights to negotiate with Jarvis Landry and no one's going to pay that that's an astronomical price for even the best receiver in the NFL let alone Jarvis Landry but the Dolphins can work around that they can there's language in that deal and that contract they can go ahead and, and get less for him so let's go ahead and explore the potential outcomes and talk about the likelihood of everything that could possibly happen with Jarvis Landry going forward starting with the first option which is the least likely in my opinion they rescind the franchise tag and he becomes a free agent I just don't see that happening I, I think that they made this move in order to go ahead and try to get the most value out of Jarvis Landry possible, whether that's keeping him as a Miami Dolphin for 2018 and playing him with Ryan Tannehill and back in this new offense or the, the offense they thought they had and trying to get this team back into the postseason and being a good team again. They want Jarvis Landry's value on the field or value in what he gets back in terms of what a trade would be 
So that is the least likely of all the possible scenarios that could play out here with the Jarvis Landry franchise tag. Option number two, Jarvis Landry plays 2018 under the franchise tag. What I think that would mean is that he's probably not coming back next year. There seems to be some bad blood between the Dolphins and Jarvis Landry. It seems like they are far apart on the contract negotiations as well as they should be because Landry is demanding that $14 million a year. At least that's what he has said through his agent, through the media. That's probably a negotiation tactic. I'm sure he'll come down a little bit if he has to. But I've also heard the Dolphins have offered Jarvis Landry $13 million a year, which is insanely high for a receiver that does what he does. So whether they're far apart or whether they're not, I just, I don't understand what's going on between the two, the two, the two sides. I, it doesn't sound like it's a good thing right now. So I think that keeping him for the season under the $16 million that he is going to make, that would put the Dolphins cap at a complete mess. It puts them over the cap right now with obviously lots of cuts to come still ahead of this uh, after this podcast is recorded in the coming weeks, but it, it still just it puts them behind the eight ball and really prevents them from filling out some other positions they're going to have to go ahead and address in this free agency period. Not necessarily just spending huge on guys, but just putting yourself without any cap at all, spend any money because you have to kind of reserve things for potential catastrophes as the season goes along. We saw what happened with Jay Cutler getting his contract that he did, obviously, but also your rookie salary cap that you have to go ahead and pay those guys or the rookie fund, I should say. So Landry playing under the tag for $16 million. I think that's uh, that's, that's tough to put a percentage on. I will say it's somewhere between like 30 and 50%, so less than a coin flip on that one. Let's just go ahead and call it 40% chance that actually happens with 0% of the rescinding the franchise tag. The next possible option is Landry receives an extension. I think that if Jarvis Landry does play for the Dolphins in 2018, it'll be under a new contract, not the extension. They'll get things figured out. They'll get it hammered out, and they will come to an agreement on a long-term deal and have him play. For an extended period of time here with the Miami Dolphins and continue his career career as a Miami Dolphin, they would have to figure a way to come way down from that that dollar amount because what they've done now is they've softened their leverage by giving him this franchise tag. Because Jarvis Landry now, if Landry doesn't do anything, he can just he can sign his franchise tender. He can deny all types of negotiations with other teams, and he can play for the Miami Dolphins for sixteen million dollars a year this year and collect that paycheck if he wants to. And then next year, the Dolphins, if they if they had to go back to the franchise tag again, it would be right on the same cost. So you're talking about guaranteeing Jarvis Landry somewhere around $30 million just in the next two years alone based on these franchise tag figures. So Jarvis Landry has to look at that and say, well, if I'm getting $30 million in the next two years, why would I take anything less than that as far as a guarantee my contract goes? So if you want to sign him for that like four-year, $50 million contract, whatever it is, you have to guarantee $30 million of it to make it worthwhile for Jarvis Landry and his agents. So that's why I put that at about a 50% chance as well. I'm gonna, my numbers are way off here, I'm realizing, as I go up and down this podcast. But So my thinking basically goes like this. I do not think they'll resend the franchise tag. I think there's a little bit more likelihood that he plays under the tag. I think there's even more of a likelihood that he plays under an extension and a new contract for the Miami Dolphins. But what I'm starting to think might actually be the most likely scenario is the old tag and trade, which doesn't really happen in football anymore. It's more of a basketball thing. But the league has become more receptive to teams or to, to the trading aspect of the NFL because free agency has kind of become less and less of what it used to be, I guess. There's just not that many good players that hit the market anymore with the salary cap becoming what it is and getting bigger and bigger every single year. These teams can afford to keep their own guys, so you don't have players changing teams as often except for via trade, and so there's just more value in trades now, and so teams are kind of working around that, not being too worried about trading for big contracts. They can they tend to be able to take it on if they want to trade for a player. So the trading is becoming more popular. There's a lot of teams that need wide receivers and there's a lot of teams at the top of that second round 
that need wide receivers. The San Francisco 49ers desperately need wide receivers. The Cleveland Browns need wide receivers. The Chicago Bears all pick very high in that second round. And if the Dolphins could wind up with the pick in those mid in that mid-30 range, that'll be a terrific spot to find a starting offensive lineman, a starting tight end, or maybe even somebody like Christian Kirk, the Texas A&M wide receiver, who I think is a better player than Jarvis Landry. So you make that deal happen. You get that $16 million off the book. You give yourself a chance to negotiate with guys like Jawan James or with uh, if Ryan Jensen from Baltimore shakes free. We'll get to more of that in the down the po- down the line in the podcast here. You know, to hear Whitehead, Nigel Bradham, whatever the case may be, it gives you a lot more money to play with in free agency. It gets you a replacement for Jarvis Landry at wide receiver in that kind of that 30th, mid 30th draft pick spot there, possibly a tight end, possibly a lineman. Just gives you so many more options for your offseason. And you can kind of work rework the offense in a way that if you don't want to replace the wide receiver, you can come back with more two tight end stats like I've been preaching this whole entire offseason, get Ryan Tannehill involved in that play action game over run heavy based offense and you get rid of the slot receiver and go more tight ends. And we're going to talk about that here on the other side of the break here talking about the Dolphins potential offensive line moves and kind of how they can reshape the offense and this Jarvis Landry tag the potential of getting rid of Jarvis Landry and saving the money and getting the draft, like I mentioned, gives you a lot of different avenues. That's kind of one we want to explore. And we'll talk about that on the next part of the podcast here. But just Jarvis Landry, big, 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 big news. Teams don't typically franchise a guy on the first day of the tag. They usually let it play out a little bit. So interesting move by the Miami Dolphins. You have a chance to go ahead and let things develop here a little bit. Maybe talk with his agent a little bit more. It's going to be a very interesting couple of weeks to see what happens with Jarvis Landry and his future in Miami. More content on this episode that I had originally planned. We have your Twitter questions coming up, but next we have to talk about the Dolphins' offensive line. Josh Sitton hitting the free agent market. And my piece that's up right now on LockedOnDolphins.com. You can follow me on Twitter at NFL. Follow the show at LockedOnFin. This is the Locked On Dolphins podcast. So if you do decide to check out LockedOnDolphins.com, there's a piece right now up there titled... Building around Ryan Tannehill, offensive line options for the Miami Dolphins. And what I did was kind of dive in and looked at some of the potential options at the three positions that could become open. And there are a bevy of potential options the Dolphins could choose to go in different directions at either of those three spots or whether it's it could be four spots. It just depends what happens. So you look at the left tackle position, Larry Tunzel, that's wrapped up. That's not going to change. Left guard is a huge hole. Ted Larson was not very good in his short stint last year with the Miami Dolphins. Center Mike Pouncey played all 16 games for the first time since 2012, but he looked rather washed up in doing so. He can't reach. He can't get out in space. He can't do a whole lot of things anymore very well at all. Right guard Jesse Davis was terrific down the stretch, but he also can play right tackle. And that brings us to Jawan James in the right tackle position where there is just a dearth of it's a barren wasteland on the free agent market at right tackle this year. So if Jawan James does hit free agency, they do pull back that fifth year option that they have still in their back pocket. Then Jawan James figures to make a lot of money on the open market because of the availability and what the types of contracts that were delved out last year in free agency. You had guys like Riley Reef, uh, TJ Lang, all getting these huge, huge monster contracts, Matt Khalil, Morgan Moses, guys that just aren't that great getting huge, huge contracts. So Jawan James figures to cash in. So that's why I think option number one should be retaining Jawan James at right tackle and putting him in a position where he can be the bookend with Laramie Tunzel at left tackle. Maybe get that fifth-year option going now, work on an extension during the season or during the offseason, whatever. But get those guys in place. Let's get this offensive line solidified on the edges for Ryan Tannehill because this is a guy that performs so well when he has a running game, or just even a semblance of a running game, and when he can work that play action. On the piece I posted 
on LockedOnDolphins.com right now talking about Ryan Tannehill's play-action ranks. I talked about it on the podcast yesterday. He has been in the top 10 four out of his five years, top eight four out of the five years, I should say, top five in two of those years, and just been really, really terrific on the play-action, better than Russell Wilson and Aaron Rodgers in terms of passer rating at those two at that particular part of the game. So he excels in that area. Get this offensive line fixed. My first move is to go ahead and get Jawan James at right tackle there, and then you have so many other options you can look at at the center and left guard position. Starting with center, I talked about Ryan Jensen, the Baltimore center, who plays the mean streak. He's a nasty-looking guy. Zach Fulton, who plays a little bit of left guard and center for the Kansas City Chiefs. He's another potential option to go ahead and play either of those spots. Weston Richburg, a giant center that has kicked free from the New York Giants, or at least it looks like he will. Test free agency, Justin Pugh, another guy there for them. I have heard they're going to go ahead and go after Andrew Norwell, the bell of the free agent ball as far as offensive linemen go right now. So if they do that, you figure that they will lose at least one of those two linemen there. You have a tons of guys in the options from Billy Price at Ohio State, James Daniels at Iowa, Frank Ragnow at Arkansas, tons of options to go ahead and replace Mike Pouncey. So I look into all those options, what the best option is there. And then talking about left guard, and Josh Sitton was mutually parted ways with the Chicago Bears as I record this podcast on a Tuesday night. It was today, earlier today, they decided he was not going to be back, and he is a great veteran stopgap for this Miami Dolphins team. They really need a veteran presence at that left guard position between Larry Tunzel and whoever the center is going to be next year. It would just go such a long way in terms of solidifying their struggles against those stunts, those twists, those delayed blitzes, those things that throw the Dolphins' offensive line off. The 31-year-old vet can probably ask for a couple-year contract. I believe it was Ian Wharton, who was on the podcast a while back, and you'll re- you will recall he talked about Josh Sitton coming over with Dowell Loggins and coming over to join Adam Gaze again to play with the Miami Dolphins in Miami. And he mentioned he could possibly, on Twitter today, he mentioned that Josh Sitton could possibly get a contract like a two-year, like $15 million, and that would be a home run for the Dolphins. You get two years of good left guard play for relatively cheap in terms of what other guys have made on these big monster contracts. That's kind of what you're looking there. So I kind of explore all these options, the, top, the possibility of UTEP's Will Hernandez, Georgia's Isaiah Wynn, North Carolina State's Tony Adams, all these guys that are available in the draft. You can go ahead and look at that right now on LockedOnDolphins.com, talking about Ryan Tannehill's prowess in the play-action game, how accurate he is on the move and how the Dolphins should build this offensive line in a way that helps Ryan Tannehill become the best player that he can be because Adam Gaze has been so adamant that he's a good player and a very good quarterback, one that he can win with. So let's go ahead and prove that and get pieces for Ryan Tannehill. That piece is up on LockdownDolphins.com. We still have your Twitter questions to come on the podcast here. I can't wait to get into those because you guys asked some really good questions that give me a lot of content. So this is the Lockdown Dolphins podcast at Wingfield NFL at Lockdown Fids. And we have got several Twitter questions to get to from you guys. You guys were awesome once again getting these questions out. Let's go ahead and start with the first one from Brian Backney. At Brian Backney, do you think cornerback could be an early target in the draft? I know Howard and Tankersley have good upside on the outside, but Isaiah Oliver would be a great addition and a favorite of mine so far. I do not know who Isaiah Oliver is. I haven't looked into him at all. I know Bobby McCain is a fantastic nickel cornerback, one of the better ones in the league in my opinion. As far as the guys on the edge, you do have to kind of find a way to get the most out of those two guys and kind of find out what they have in the future but I'm not opposed to it at all because I think you can never have enough defensive backs and we had to go to Alteron Werner this year it's how little depth we had at cornerback once Tony Lippett went out once Byron Maxwell got cut so and then also Cordray Tankersley going down also uh, didn't help at all either so I think that you can definitely look into a cornerback I think Denzel Ward is a fantastic player I think if he was on the board at 11 I would consider it I don't really care what the need is or whatever. I just want to pick good players. So I would definitely think it's a possibility, just probably not a probability at this point. Next question comes from Sean Mawini. <laughs> you guys are giving me these rough names. So I'm going to butcher all of them. At SWMA Winnie, 
Are there any players on the current roster that you think that could get expanded roles next year? Leonte Carew or Isaiah Ford, for example. I have been on the Marquise Gray train for a long, long time. I wrote a piece about him back in 2016 saying that he was really the reason that we had that big explosion with Jay Ajayi in the running game and Ryan Tannehill in the play action game. He did so much as an H-back slash tight end slash split out wide guy slash fullback. That's the kind of piece the Dolphins absolutely have to have. And I don't know if he, I mean, there's like Jalen Samuels from North Carolina State is a is that guy times a million. He is a perfect fit for the Dolphins. I think they should definitely target him in the draft. They've had a hard time replacing Charles Clay. So I'm going to say Marquise Gray could possibly get more number two tight end reps, whereas last year he was kind of the forgotten man, mostly a special teamer. So I'll go with Marquise Gray. And then obviously Jesse Davis is going to get more work there. And then defensive tackle Vincent Taylor, who was really, really good in limited reps last year. He was one of the top run stuffing defensive tackles in terms of efficiency and doing it a number of times on limited reps from Pro Football Focus. So Vincent Taylor, Marquise Gray, and what was the other one that I said? Jesse Davis at right guard slash right tackle. Obviously going to get a lot more reps as a starter there. Next question comes from Juice at AirX Alpha 1721. That's a lot easier for me to pronounce. I appreciate that. Recently, there has been some talk on the Dolphins cutting Sue. Do you think that is possible or should they trade him? I don't think it's possible at all. He's too dominant. He's too good. He does make a lot of money and it's really hard to build a defense around or a team around a guy that makes that much money and commands that much of your cap. But He's just so good. He does so much for the community. Steven Ross loves him. He is a big time name, a household name. He plays 85 plus percent of the snaps, which for a defensive tackle is absolutely outrageous. He, he never misses any games. He gets hurt and still plays. He's just a fantastic player, future Hall of Famer, first ballot. So I don't think he goes anywhere. But if they, I mean, if they found a way to get Vita Vey in that first round, who I absolutely love, then you can start thinking about potential exit strategies. But right now, if you lose Dominican Sue, your defensive tackle room goes from very, very good to a very questionable unit because I think that Devon Godchild is a good player. I think Jordan Phillips is a good player. I think Vincent Taylor is a good player. But I think they are all complementary parts to a dominant in Dominican Sue. Next question comes from Erod at FinFan2003. Name a player that could be cut or traded that would be a surprise. Man, that's a good question also. I'm going to stick with my previous prediction of Devontae Parker. I think it would be a trade. I think the Dolphins are pretty much fed up with him and what he has been in terms of his short career with the Miami Dolphins. He's soft. He doesn't want to practice. doesn't play very hard. Just a guy that doesn't really fit what Adam Gaze is looking for in a player. So I would say Devontae Parker, a potential trade candidate, not a cut candidate, but a trade guy. Next question comes from Zach at DolphinsFan52. I know it's early, but what do you think the starting O-line will look like next year? Great question in terms of what we talked about in the podcast already. I am going to say... Well, let's, let's start with this. There's two for sure, in my opinion. I think that Laramie Tunsil is your left tackle, no doubt about it. And I think Mike Pouncey is the center, and I, I don't like saying it, but I think that's the case. So if I think Jesse Davis is one of the guys, too, whether he's right guard or right tackle, I am not quite sure yet. I am pretty certain left guard will be a free agent, and then the other guy could be a potential draft pick, whether it's a right tackle, right guard, whatever it is. So I just can't give you the names. Check out the Lockdown Dolphins piece right now, building the offensive line around Ryan Tannehill. That gives you a plenty of guys to look out, look at and kind of chew on there. Next question comes from Marcus Frazier at Marco... At Marco Great is what that says. M-A-R-C-O-G-R-8. So you guys are confusing me more and more on these names. But he gives me plenty of questions to choose to chew on here. First one is, what's your opinion of Matt Burke's first year as defensive coordinator? I think he had a rough year. I think he was slow to realize some of the things that the NFL has adapted to in terms of more defensive backs using less guys in the front seven and putting them back in coverage. That's why the third down defense was terrible. The red zone defense was terrible. I think that those are big strides backwards they made. I think he'll get better. So I, I don't. I was not a fan of his first year by 
by any stretch of the imagination. His next question is, what are your top two wants for the Dolphins this offseason? What are your top two needs? My top two wants, if we're going off luxury right here, I'm going to say a ball hawking free safety in the back end or like a Derwin James, a guy that can do everything you want him to. That's my number one guilty pleasure, so to speak. So that's a kind of a fancy one. We'll go with number two. Let's say one of those seam busting slash dominant types of tight ends that can do everything in the passing game as well as do a little bit of run blocking there. So those are my top two luxury wants, my top two needs. I'm just, I'm just going to pair everything together here on the first need. It is a line or is a, a tight end slash offensive line combination that can like I said, build around Ryan Tannehill's strengths, get that line solidified, make them good, and then also have some tight ends that can work in the passing game as well as the running game there. So you give yourself a little bit of flexibility in terms of running different packages with the same players on the field. My next big need, let's go ahead and say replacing Kiko Alonso and Lawrence Timmons. I mean, Lawrence Timmons is going to get cut. Kiko Alonso is here to stay for another year, but they have to replace their positions on the field because they were both very, very bad last year, especially down the stretch. So those are my two biggest needs, offensive line slash tight end and then linebacker. And then his last part of the question is, what is your top five big board at pick 11? We have talked about this quite a bit. It hasn't changed too much. You know, I'm assuming that Mika Fitzpatrick and Bradley Chubb are going to be gone and the quarterbacks are all going to be gone too. I wouldn't draft any of them anyway, but that's just based off of that assumption. I'm going to say Derwin James, Marcus Davenport, I really like the linebacker Rashawn Evans out of Alabama. I also like Tremaine Edmonds out of Virginia Tech. He's only 19 years old. Let's go ahead and add Vita Vey in there. I think my number one option would be to trade back if Derwin James is gone and go ahead and start working on that offensive line slash tight end combo I talked about because I think that you can get a lot more value in the back end of the first round slash top of the second round on offensive line and tight end. So that'd be my number one pick would be to trade down or Derwin James. Both those guys fall in the same Ilk there. Last question here comes from RH. It's at Ralph Harper, 1965. He asks, what are some day, what are some names on day two and day three O-line prospects to keep an eye on as good fits in the Dolphins scheme? The first one I talked about, and this is on the LockedOnDolphins.com piece right now that I have up live right now. It is Tony Adams from North Carolina State. The Dolphins met with him down there at the East-West Shrine game. He dominated the competition down there. I think Cody O'Connell, the left guard from Washington State, is a late, late round draft pick that they could look at there. He is nicknamed the Continent. He is 6'8", 330 pounds, or excuse me, 6'8", 350 pounds, a mountain of a man, just an absolute beast there. And I'll have more for you guys uh, as we get closer to draft day. Let's go ahead and leave with those two names, Cody O'Connell and Tony Adams. So that is going to do it for the Twitter mailbag and your Twitter questions. Thanks again for everybody that wrote in to do that. You guys ask better and better questions every single week, it seems. So I really, really do appreciate that. That's going to do it for the podcast tonight. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcast. Leave us a rating and a review. And check out the other Locked On Sports podcast for all the local and national coverage of your favorite teams. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Wingfield NFL. I have GIFs up there all the time, video content for you guys almost daily it seems like follow the show at locked on fins and follow at locked on nfl as well check out their facebook page and of course LockedOnDolphins.com. tons of good written content up there right now including my piece on ryan Tannehill on the offensive line be back tomorrow with another edition of the locked on dolphins podcast your daily dose for miami dolphins football